0: I know your own music is not supposed to get you fired up for the intro of the podcast, but every time it does, we're sitting in the studio here and I can't help but move, Isaiah.
1: Me neither. I'm so fired up right now.
0: You don't even know. (laughs) Woo! Welcome back to Net Takeaways with Feller and Harf. special 2021 mid-year check-in edition, breaking down what has gone on in the net lease and broader commercial real estate markets so far. In this crazy year we're living. It's
1: kind of like the Wendy Williams mid-year, how you doing?
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly what I was thinking. You read my <laughs> mind. It's like Wendy. just How you doing?
1: <laughs> I heard that. Uh, I, I heard that the other day.
0: Well, you are a scion of pop culture here, so you have far... I have the better movie illusions from like the 80s right. and 90s and you have modern Real Housewives references right. and when I'm I, jealous and you're right. jealous and it works that way.
1: <laughs> when I get invited to trivia uh, and most of my friends, as I'm sure you can all imagine, are much uh, are much smarter than me and, and, and have academic pedigree that uh, far exceeds what I have. I, I always... They always tell me in so many words, right? We invite you to trivia because we know you got the nine. You know, we know you got the post nineties covered. There you go. Right, like we know you're not going to tell us about the Spanish Inquisition or, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. Like you're, like, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to go, you know, pre JFK years. But well,
0: uh, I have two thoughts around that. First of all, um, everyone does need that friend on their trivia team, right? But right. secondly, by the way, I, no, I have come in handy. No, heard, I have to get <laughs> yeah. the second. You have come in handy, but I have to get the second thought in. Mazel tov, you have a third baby who just arrived. You have no hey, trivia time anymore.
1: No, no more trivia time. No more trivia time.
0: Tells, tells, I know. But Demi, tell, tell Demi the listeners. Eden
1: Demi Eden Harf uh came into the world July 3rd. Uh very exciting for us. Um we we were excited to have a third child. Uh our last child. Um I'm already in search of a urologist, a good
0: one. Oh no, uh, we weren't there. But
1: uh <laughs> But went <laughs> but yes no, this is it's definitely it's been a blessing. Um, you know, I have four and a half years between my second and third child, so this is this is definitely the baby of the family. Uh, I have two older boys, and uh they, as well as uh, my wife and i are are in love with this new one so
0: well we 're not on Instagram right now we 're not no. vi- video casting here, so I have to say for people listening, you do have the most gorgeous, beautiful little baby girl i 'm jealous. You. Thank you. Um, I know her big brothers are just absolutely over the moon.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're very, very excited. And we are just hoping that she's, you know, every week that goes by, we we kind of, my wife and I both look at each other and we go, she survived. And what we mean by that isn't. Yeah, I was going like, to say she's it, only
0: right. th- three weeks old. At this
1: point. A little less than three weeks old. But like, but literally it's 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 more that we have these two rambunctious you know, oh, yeah. sometimes animals in the house, and they're like, and they feed off each other, right? They're they're twenty six months apart, totally. and uh, and they're boys, and they feed off each other, and uh, I mean, it's just, it's it's like when we make it through a week, we're like, we made it through another week.
0: When Thank I make you. it to Monday morning, because I, as you know, have four boys, when yes. I make it to Monday morning, I'm like, welcome to the weekend. The weekend starts now on Monday morning. So right. um, for all listeners without children, they're wonderful, but also enjoy your weekends. Right. <laughs> um, so 2021 mid-year check-in, we like to do this. This is a fun time to look back and kind of gauge how incredibly wrong we were in all of our estimates when we started out the year. And nothing's been normal now for going on two years. I think we can all agree everything's been upside down is probably an understatement, but just so many crosswinds going on. There's so many just crazy dynamics. And the, the real estate world, not all sectors certainly, um, but a lot of sectors have just really defied this narrative that I think a lot of people had that there was going to be this Mass turmoil, mass upheaval, uh, because of the pandemic, and there has been horrible uh, upheaval and turmoil in society, and so many people suffering so much. So I don't want to downplay any of that. But the real estate markets have been incredibly resilient in many ways. And even outside of the
1: real estate markets, I mean, we look at any, we uh, look at the stock market, you, look at, you know, you look at where uh, where bond yields are. Um, it, it, it's just, it's it's unbelievable what the uh you know what the what the greater population the investment markets have placed you know where they've placed value and uh and and i think uh in our everyday lives we can see it in cars we can see it in hard assets yeah. um we can see it in in minerals we can see it in all sorts of stuff but particularly uh, the minerals the minerals. The
0: bauxite, you know, the bauxite. You can see it. Um, no, but you're right. I really like that you, you drew that comparison and took it from just being real estate to the financial markets because yeah. it really is the financial markets have been so resilient. We obviously saw what the stock market did back in March and April last year, but really bounced back quickly. Bond yields – I mean. I think we're seeing junk bond yields, sub-investment grade stuff at the most aggressive yields of, of a very long time, even including coming out of the Great Recession. So the financial markets have just really defied expectations in many ways.
1: Yeah, there just seems to be a, a short of, of supply in everything. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, – uh, I mean, like as you can see, there's 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 clearly a, a shortage of um, collar stays. I don't know if you noticed. Collar stays? I'm i not – we're listen- – I mean, Did I'm, you go into a store <laughs> and the shelves
0: were clear of the collar stays?
1: No, but clearly I forgot mine today. Now are
0: uh, you are you are you, a, are you a plastic plastic collar stays or a metal not. collar no, stays? I'm a metal
1: I'm a metal I'm collar not. stay human being and uh, I appreciate uh, how pointy my collars get. I appreciate that
0: you are a man of the people and you are suffering with the lack of collar stays like the rest of America. Yeah, well big.
1: I'm just suffering today, but yes, it, it's 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 a it's a typical parallel of kind of what's going on out there. Um can't buy a car. New.
0: No. Or used isn't easy either. Used isn't no. easy as well. So no, you're you're absolutely right. There's um just some very fascinating headwinds out there right now. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. We didn't prepare for this. If you were writing the New York Times real estate section mid-year check-in. For what's been going on? Maybe Wall Street Journal is a better one because I don't think the Times actually has a specific commercial real estate section. What is the headline for You know, 2021? like those like
1: CNBC arrows, you know, there like you whenever like the, the market, market is like, – Like whenever – the arrows. Like whenever like, the, sideways. Like in the, Yeah, in, the, uh, in like the lower right-hand corner yeah, of the TV. the ticker. The, yeah. The, I and believe
0: <laughs> that's called a cry-on if I'm not mistaken. Isn't it something like that?
1: You would – again, my – my, I don't have a graduate degree.
0: So. Insert angry listener mail here and actually <laughs> I don't have, I have a
1: graduate degree and uh, – like I said, I get invited to trivia because of the, the pop culture. The pop culture, not uh, not my degree from college. You're but just uh, stalling
0: for time right now to no, come I'm up not. with the headline.
1: No, I'm not. No, I I, I think it would simply say, uh, yields continue to go down. Investors brace for lower returns. Something along those lines. Sure. Whatever it is, and it, and it would, but but. More importantly, Which way it would, would the have arrow the arrow. It would have the arrow graphic, right? Well, if they're talking about yields, the yields would be going down, right? Sure. So, and in, if the they were talking about if they're, if they're talking about values or investor demand, they would be going up.
0: So I think I think you really did kind of I, – I might have said commercial real estate defies expectations or something along those lines. But I, I think yields you're going fancier. down – You're fancier. are Well, no. You're I think they're two different thoughts, but they're similarly related. I think this idea of yields going down is, is the central storyline though because um, I don't care what sector you're in. And I, we're going to go sector by sector and break this down a little bit. Every sector is headed down in terms of yield right now. And some of those sectors have started newly going down – Office right. I think mm-hmm. we'll get back to office in a second. The yields have really started to go down as people have seen what post-pandemic America looks like. Um, but some of them have just kept going down. And obviously, the headline here is industrial. That market is just just continues to absolutely defy gravity, and values just continue to skyrocket. Retail, I think we're seeing uh, yields uh, decrease in a big way. Certainly in net lease. I think even multi-tenant retail and power centers are starting to get more traction. Before we get into breaking down every single sector a little bit further, though, how much of this Isaiah is where the treasury is sitting at right now? And, and before you answer that, just for context, over the last twelve months, we saw the treasury really try and the ten-year treasury really try and get up to one point seven five percent. Looked like it was really going to push through there as um, investors could see post-pandemic America. But recently, you know, it settled down from one seventy-five, kind of settled into one point five for two or three months. And it's just nosedived over the last couple of weeks here. Um, we saw it touch, I think, 1.2%. 1.2, uh, It's yeah. come up a little bit, but these are incredibly low treasuries. So how much of that headline that you just gave us, yields going, going down, how much of that is really driven and influenced by where financing is at today?
1: It's funny. I think typically I would say <clears throat> there's, there's not much of a relationship and that right now it's simply driven by supply and demand. But uh, but I actually I, – I do believe that given we've been in an environment where yields have just been low for our product for a very long time, that it, it, it start you, you have to now say, look, the fact that the tenure is at 127, I think, today, right, that can t- – and people can borrow money, right, in the mid-threes – that that certainly feels like a situation where people are using the debt to continue to get their dollars out the door, and uh, and invest in commercial real estate and invest in our marketplace, which allows them higher yields uh, and certainly depreciation benefits than if they just uh, you know invest in alternative assets. So I you know I'm I'm I maybe uh I think a lot of people would say well we can talk about the labor shortage, of a construction shortage. We can talk about. You know, very few assets on the market, and we can talk about how short-term net lease assets uh, are commanding yields that thus have driven down then the benchmark even further, right, with a, with a typical 15- or 20-year asset, lease-term asset. We can say all those things, but at the end of the day, if the, if, the, if the snowball effect keeps going, right, it keeps going because of,
0: of, of factors like really cheap debt. I think you're right. Um, And I love that you made reference to something I was going to make reference about. I don't think anyone looks at real estate or net lease in a vacuum. I think it really is about what else is available in the financial ecosystem right now. Yeah, We look at where the, the stock market is. continues. It's come off a little bit recently as people are worried about what's going on with the Delta variant and is this going to prolong a, a fourth wave? Is this going to drag out the pandemic through sure. 2021? Those questions are being asked. But generally speaking, the stock market still just defies gravity. I said that earlier about yields. It's really defying gravity as well. And so, I mean, People are sitting here and they're left with a with a choice, a difficult choice probably, but a choice, whatever it, whatever it is. Do I earn nothing holding cash? Do I earn very little holding bonds? Do I put my money in a stock market that is that at an all-time high? And it's, I think, in that context where people are really looking at real estate and saying that's interesting. And then I think on top of that, they say I can go finance stuff sub 4% easily today. You may even be able to get something like 35 Percent uh, interest, maybe a twenty-five year amortization or thirty-year amortization, but I mean you're looking at loan constants that are going to be really realistically somewhere between five and a quarter and six percent, and that really makes a lot of real estate assets look pretty darn interesting.
1: Absolutely, and certainly uh, when you talk outside of net lease and you talk about agency debt and the amount of uh, the amount of interest only that some of these groups are able to command. Uh, and buying these assets, they they have a un- they feel like they have a unique window in time where they can buy something, they can hold it for five to seven years, only pay interest on the debt, and let the NOI catch up to a point where then they can amortize a loan at a continuously low constant. So yeah. it's it's a very unique situation, and uh, and you know the 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 ten thirty one market continues to be fueled, I think by by uh by people who are you know who are older in age and recognize that that this won't last necessarily forever and they're saying to themselves hey if i'm going to sell in the next 10 years if i'm 75 years old right uh, now's now's likely the time right i mean i'm i'm i may get more for my asset today than i might over the next five, seven years, and I can take a lot more equity than I thought I was going to have to play with and buy something
0: that is, you know, management intensive free. I think that's been one of our hypotheses for probably the past decade. And I think the general hypothesis has a lot of runway left, that we have this massive multi-decade shift from boomers having assets in growth-based environments, and that's not just real estate. That's not just multifamily. I think it was really stocks as well. And now you have these boomers who have 20, 30, 40 years left to live, and they need yield to live on. And I think you know, exactly. real estate's been a massive beneficiary, and it's not just net lease. It's really all asset classes. It's through broker-dealers. It's through DSTs. It's into REIT shares. And sure. so you continue to see exactly what you described. And I think for real estate purposes, the point you just made is, all this cheap Fannie and Freddie debt that's out there now really allows boomers who might be 65, 70 to go sell that multifamily asset. Sometimes we, we also like to jokingly say that Santa Monica net lease or multifamily asset, but it really could be Omaha, it could be Santa Monica, it could be um, Park Slope for that matter. It's allowing them to make that move. And then multifamily has been not only cheaply financed, but the vacancies, the rents haven't been hit nearly as hard as people thought. So the broader real estate ecosystem via 1031 has just really stayed quite robust. And we'll come back to 1031. And um, I think it's important to check in with some of the the, the potential uh, possibility of, of 1031 going away and what that could mean. But right now, it really is a big driver for the ecosystem. And I appreciate you you making reference to that. Sure. So let's... Um, Let's talk a little bit about asset class by asset class. I'm going to let you pick. where, uh, Which which market should we break into here and, and talk about first?
1: Well, I don't know. We already kind of covered the industrial yeah.
0: markets. So. I was thinking you were going to say yeah, self-storage. I you know you love self-storage, and we could just break that down. I'm kidding. I say it doesn't <laughs> have a particular affinity for self-storage. <laughs> no, I think the most interesting one to start with is is really office um, these days. And you know, we re- sure. recently released an article on this and what's going on with the office marketplace right now. What's your headline there? How do you think about the office marketplace with with people getting back I know, in?
1: I know that it, I think that, uh, I mean, we've seen some headlines obviously recently um, I think it's Apple that delayed going back to the office what a month or two months. I know they keep saying they keep saying a month, but then I look back and I'm like, Oh, wait a second, yeah, that's what they said last month. So I think that ultimately you know Fortune One Hundred companies are realizing that that life is gonna be a hybrid ultimately, what that hybrid looks like, they're still trying to figure out, and they're still trying to kind of shuffle their deck of cards and and see the leases that they already have signed. Uh, and and understand what's you know what the long-term viability of all of the space that they've signed yeah, is going to look like.
0: I think this is what I'm going to affectionately refer to as survey season right now yeah. because I, I can't tell you the number of people who I've talked to who have gotten these the survey in email, the right. survey monkey link or whatever it right. is. Tell us how often you're going to come into the right. office and if you need your own office, if you want to do – that's what's going on right now. You right. have all these planning folks in operations or real right. estate departments who are really trying to take the temperature of their employees and see is the average week going to be zero days is the average week going to be two three days in the office or is it going to be five and i don't think yeah. people really know for sure just yet
1: no and i totally agree and i think that you know what that translates to is you have right you have fortune 50 companies essentially setting rents in major markets and then and then right there's a lot of companies right now who are out in the market who are determining that they need space, but the space is going to be sub ten thousand square feet, and you know they're they're uh, they're obviously having to live with where these mar- these larger market participants have set rents, and uh, you know I think that look everything I am hearing, especially from the office tenant rep brokers, is that they're very busy, they're very active. But they're but they're likely they're doing a lot of window shopping, and that I think that a lot of these leases will will uh, will come to fruition probably in you know mid to late fall.
0: I saw a fascinating statistic the other day. There's actually a service, a company that has door monitor equipment and can actually track the number of opens and look at the occupancy levels relative to back in 2009 or 2019, probably 2009 as well. But in this instance, 2019, and we're only back to about. 55% of where we were pre-pandemic, so there's still sure. a lot of runway in terms of this trend playing out. And we talked about that a long time ago. I think a lot of people felt like there was going to be this catac- cataclysmic uh, fallout from this in terms of office. Yeah. But the truth is, the, the lease cycle is so long, three, five, ten years that this is going to take some time to play out. And and you can have the Jamie Diamonds of the world. Jamie came out earlier this year, I think it was in April, and said, we're going to be back in the office by September 1st. And, you know, he's he moves the market. He has an impact. But yet people vote with their feet. We say that all the time. And if people are, if these corporate execs are going to be listening to their employees and they're saying, I want a hybrid schedule, that's going to be a conversation that's going to be had. And I think that's why these surveys are going out right now.
1: Yeah. And I think that, Right. It's gonna be different for every company. Uh, but I think the larger companies are trying to figure out um, you know, how how nice do they ultimately wanna to be to their employees, right? If you have somebody right. If you have somebody who says, Hey, I uh I, I'm gonna come in three days a week, right? And I'm gonna be three days a week, let's just say hypothetically for the next ten years, right? Does that person need, you know, 200 square feet per body allocated or is it 75 square feet per body allocated right so and those and those are obviously the 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 big numbers that these companies are going to have to decide but but ultimately when we look at the office market the top the top, the top 10 15% of buildings in every major market that have 15 plus year leases signed with law firms and fortune 50 companies these these uh, these these landlords aren't letting their, these tenants off the hook. Uh, and so it ultimately is gonna come down to, Um, I I mean, I think, I think the sublease, there's going to be a huge sublease market that's already been shaped. It's already there, but but it's going to keep coming. It's going to keep coming and it's going to come, it's going to come in a different form because I don't, I think the first fallout right during 2020 was just, that was a knee
0: jerk reaction. It it,
1: it was a lot of companies that just overexpanded and they're like middle market companies, right? They're like, Oh gosh, like we thought we were going to need 60,000 square feet. We're only going to need. 10,000 square feet now, get this 50,000 square feet on the market immediately, right? But that's not like, those aren't the huge blocks of space in Class A office buildings where you have 15, 20 year leases signed because they've received massive, massive TI packages. And now you're going to see like much different space over yeah. the next 2 3 years hit the market that is frankly it's going to act walk More and fragmented. talk like it's going to act walk and talk like direct space yeah. right that that most people just haven't typically been used to looking at if they were looking to either downsize or look at new space
0: there's going to be a big shadow market that's going to develop and I think landlords are going to feel the headwinds of that more and more and more. And I think we've talked to office tenant brokers. Sure. That's a dynamic that they're trying to process still. So sure. I totally agree with you. For me, another huge story that's at play here that doesn't always get talked about is the, is the way that this, this work-from-home hybrid model is really different between men and women. I think you've got a lot of working moms who love this. I think it was the WeWork CEO who came out and said something that was kind of tone-deaf, like, if you're not in the office, you're not taking work seriously or something. And I... I think there's some interesting dynamics going here in terms of companies understanding the different breakdowns and different profiles of their workforce.
1: Absolutely, no question. Um and uh <laughs> how how foolish one would be to uh to say something like that. Um
0: well, you know there's motivations there, right? I think that sure. know, WeWork certainly wants to wants to get the IPO and everything going strong and, and really sure. make that look good. Although I think they already completed the IPO via SPAC, if I'm not mistaken. But there's a lot of crosswinds certainly there. We Crosswind's a word we say all the time. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about retail because that's the other market that's been really disruptive. What's your headline on retail these days, Isaiah?
1: Um, uh, gosh. Some re, uh, some retailers struggle, but the market says you'd never know.
0: The market says you'd never know.
1: It was Tell kind me. of like a Real Housewives, like, peach tagline.
0: <laughs> I can see you, you know, turning like, around with the retail shopping bag and say some retailers. Yeah. You got to say, there's got to be more sultriness to that, yeah. though. Yeah,
1: I know. I, I, it's like diamonds are forever, but are they? <laughs> like something you know, like something you know.
0: Um no, I think you I think you're right. I mean my headline maybe would be metamorphosis, because that's what we've seen. I think um the group think, so to speak, or the group fear maybe a better way of putting it, um, over the last five years has been the death of retail. And we like to quote as everyone has the Mark Twain, the fear of, you know, Rumors of my death are greatly overstated um, and at risk of of being cliché. For me, the most interesting thing is the metamorphosis. And um, everyone tended to see bricks and mortar and online retail. Never the two shall meet. They're just in two entirely different worlds. Fast forward to 2021 – again, we wrote an article on this as well. Amazon Fresh, Amazon Go. Well, I think actually Go hasn't gotten as much traction, but Amazon Fresh. I mean, you have a lot of Amazon Fresh stores opening all across the country right now. And I mean, that really is the merger of online and bricks and mortar. And we see this on app-based ordering. All the restaurateurs have figured that out. For me, that's really the most fascinating thing about the last 18 months of retail is it has not been the death of retail whatsoever. It's been the acceleration of the metamorphosis. I think at the end of 2019, we still had five or maybe seven years of metamorphosis to go. And really what happened is the pandemic made all of these retailers, I don't care if you were Party City, I don't care if you were um, uh, Whole Foods, grocery stores, restaurants, it made them figure out how to speed up that change. Because rather than doing it over years, they had to do it in months.
1: Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is that, right, we take a market that, that is still uh, coming out of the Great Recession from two thousand eight two thousand and nine two thousand and ten, and we really haven 't had a full uh, commercial real estate market cycle, but within that time period, right, think about how we as consumers and and as researchers have thought about retail right. And it's almost—I think we're actually over the hump now. Like, if you ask me, like, right, like, what's my just kind of like gut reaction on like retail? I think I'm at the point now where, as you said, it's all kind of filtered through. That all got sped up, and now I'm back to the point. Now I'm back to the to the to the point where maybe it's just the sun hitting my forehead now during the summer. But it's like <laughs> it's like ah, oh, retail's fine. Retail's great. Retail's like re- retail. Like I would invest in retail. Look at look at I mean, look at the lines out the door for you know, Velvet Taco. Look at the lines out the door for Jenny's ice cream. Look at the lines out the door for for uh for 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 honest wipes.
0: I mean well, it's just it's 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 crazy town. We've gotten to the point where the greatest threat to retail today is not retail, it's getting workers to be in this retail. And I think that's, right. that's telling, right? That's right. how many signs do we see of Wendy's with, oh, closed early because can't find employees. Uh, right.
1: Not going to well, go and in the whole, whole... And the whole- And the whole restaurant industry, right, doesn't even start until Wednesday because they're literally, they can't be open Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes Sunday because there's just not enough labor.
0: Essentially, people have been forced to become Chick Fil A for <laughs> reasons that they didn't want to be uh, Chick Fil A closed on Sunday um, for alternative reasons, and you know a lot of this I think is reflected in the ETF. If you look at the spider. Uh, S&P Retail ETF, which I think is ticker XRT, you know, it sunk down to almost, I think, $20 per share, $25 per share in the worst of the fear pandemic, March, April 2020. It's now back up to an all-time high of $95 a share. So that really does reflect what you were talking about, this idea that we're over the hump. And I look at retailers that were, I don't want to say thrown away three years ago, but really, really not viewed strongly. like Kohl's. Best Buy, um, Burlington, these are retailers who are thriving today. I mean, Kohl's has really figured out this alternative business model. They've integrated Amazon drop-off and ordering. They've brought in Sephora. Best Buy has optimized their logistics chain, turned their stores into these these distribution hubs. Um, You know, Burlington's gone public after Bain took them. I can go down the list. Whereas three years ago, there was a lot of people we were looking at and saying, are they on the ropes? Are they going to go the way of Circuit City? There just isn't an obvious list outside of probably the big mall anchors today. And even those guys are figuring out how to reinvent themselves. Macy's, we talked about it on our last session, really has turned themselves into a quasi real estate company. Um, that didn't go so well for Kmart and Eddie Lampert, but you know, I think there's more there because their real estate really is superior. Sure. So I think I, I tend to agree with your your headline there that we may be we may be over a lot of the hump. I think there's still change to go, we're still gonna see fallout, but maybe the worst is kind of behind the retail yeah, market. And these I days. think
1: and I think you really highlighted the fact that the pain the pain came, the pain was quick, and it was almost so quick that that all it took was some warm weather and people coming out from underneath the pandemic to really mask you know what yesterday's problems.
0: Yeah, and and consumer spending was so depressed during the pandemic, there's so much pent up demand, pent up savings that there is a lot of a lot of gunpowder in the ecosystem to go by. Then we've talked about this. This idea, I think we wrote about it, of this of the 21st century's own version of the Roaring Twenties, and that's going to be a major boost and a major headwind or tailwind. I'm sorry for retail over over the next few years. I don't think this is a six month trend. I th- you know no, you, I don't either. Try and book a trip right now. Try and go to Florida. Try and go anywhere. You're going to have a hard time going anywhere, and people are doing a lot of staycations this summer. There's a lot of spending in the ecosystem that is only going to help retailers more.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's a great segue, you know, to, to discussing hospitality and you know and what's going on in that market. And uh, obviously, there's there's a huge bifurcation between uh, you know leisure and personal travel to business travel. Um, and uh i don't know, I'm curious to to hear your thoughts i mean there's obviously the you know there's the obvious things out there right now right it's hard to book a rental car it's hard i mean flights are uh, the airline industry is 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 taking advantage of people wanting to fly uh and certainly those uh with disposable income are wanting to get out this summer and fall and travel because they haven't the past you know for the past 18 months and the lux hotels are full to the brim and charging room rates that I don't think any of us uh, could have ever imagined. But what what do you kind of see, you know, over the next I don't know, let's call it a year in the hospitality space, and, and what do you and, and what do you think the future looks like for business travel? Well,
0: I think we've seen a big a big segregation in the market there, right? Business and, and leisure is certainly one of the things. I feverishly scrolling for an article that I recently saw that gave some stats on on where <laughs> where the business travel is. I'm not finding it right away, but I think business travel isn't back yet. Um, I think that it's, it's going to take some time. And I think much like the return to the office is uncertain. The return to business travel is uncertain. Um, because what we, what we saw business travel has been going down over the last decade as people find the online stuff. Um, Particularly a lot of this corporate travel training that doesn't – that isn't business development centric. I think business development, I don't care what industry you're in, that still needs to be in person. In many ways, it even needs to be amped up more now because people are really eager for that. They're eager to see their customers. Customers are eager to see their – you know their their service clientele, whatever that might be. So that I think is, is going to rebound. I think the question mark is really, how is a company going to look at that 500 person training session that they would have done in Orlando in February of 2022? At a Hyatt. At a Hyatt. At a Hilton. And I think there's two reasons that that's the question mark. First of all, Going back to your comment, leisure travel is up so much that it's pushed prices up. We were doing uh, – I remember anecdotal evidence here. Our, our company was trying to find our resort, resort trip for our kind of top performers. And there you, you just can't find it. There was no high-caliber uh, hotels really available. That could accommodate all uh, of us. That could accommodate everyone and could accommodate meals. So that's a real challenge. And I think what you're going to see is these rates on the Hilton and Orlando in February – are going to remain forty percent, fifty percent above where they were in 2019, and the companies are going to have to make a calculation: Do we go do that—that that, you know, five hundred person training, whatever that might be in Orlando, even though our cost is going to be twenty-five or thirty percent higher, or do we do this remote? And those questions, much like employees returning to the office, they're still being answered. So for me, the biggest question mark and X factor about the Hospitality and business travel is really those those non business development segment
1: do you think that there's you know that there 'll be new businesses formed out of you know out of the the courtyard marriotts of the world right so take so so Hilt, right the the Hilton and Marriott that we were describing for the retreats right those those I would call full, full service hotels. Right. What What do you think happens to limited service hotels where you're, you're where uh, you're dealing with um, uh, not only like interstate and highway travel, but you're also dealing with just limited service and traditional business, you know, 80s business travelers who were in and out in one day in a city and and wanted something programmatic that they were comfortable with.
0: I'm going to give you a movie reference that you totally don't know, but Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think of Dell, the famous showering salesman hitting the road across every market in America, or Tommy Boy. I guess that's the other obvious movie reference here. Yeah, what's going to happen with the with limited service hotels, courtyard, Marriott's, uh, whatever flavor it might be? Um, I think it's interesting. I think right now we're still so heavy on car travel versus air travel that those occupancies are really high. still um, I think we're going to see some hockey tournaments don't stop hockey tournaments do not stop they're still happening dog breeding shows your German Schnauzer Breeding Association of America is still occurring in Canton, Ohio uh, or it's going? somewhere. I don't know. It Canton South. Sounds... Did I
1: just diss Canton, Ohio, by the way? Well, It's only if you're to.
0: dissing German schnauzers, you know, miniature. I love miniature schnauzers. I grew up with miniature schnauzers, so there's no shame in the schnauzer game.
1: And I didn't mean to diss Canton, Ohio.
0: God. <sighs> we have friends in Canton, I'm a man Ohio. of the people. You just diss Canton, Ohio. So. Um, but, yeah, the question is going to be as some of that travel goes away, getting back into the school season – Will people look at those and will they reinvent it? If the Hilton in Orlando is full, will they go and use the courtyard, the Spring Hill suites, whatever it might be, as a quasi-destination to replace it? I, I don't know. Uh, the answer to the yeah. question is I don't know, but I think you're very smart to ask that question because it is a natural pressure release in the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and the thing that I think about that I know we've talked about offline a number of times is just uh, you know the shortage of housing, uh, especially uh, – Especially in, in you know in middle income households, it's uh, there's just a tremendous shortage of it, and uh, I'm curious to see if um, if uh, if if any of 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 that need gets filled by you know the limited service hotel arena. Um, yeah. In terms of whether it's converted to multifamily or you know ho- however it, however it may be.
0: Certainly not commercial real estate, but the housing market is a huge question mark right now. I think we've seen some of the pressure of price escalations come out. I don't think we've seen the... the. Prices start to come back down. I don't think we will. Much like the commercial real estate market is fueled by cheap debt right now and yields driven there. Certainly, the residential market is really being driven by incredibly cheap mortgages that are still out there. Um, We've only, with the last 18 to 24 months, exacerbated the (laughs) affordable housing crisis in America. You know, I think we all know that in in most top markets that that's a real issue and remains a real issue. And you're right to say, hey, how's hospitality going to play out from that as well? There's a lot of question marks there. Um, what's your take on the multifamily market right now, given that we're talking about housing? How do you think about that before we pivot to our predictions for the balance of 2021?
1: If you think net lease is crazy, PJ, I think the multifamily market might be might, might, might be the king and queen of crazy. Uh, yields are in the threes uh, for new construction product in uh, populous growing cities uh, as far as cap rates go um, literally people people are tying up assets and they're getting offers for 10 20 30 million dollars uh, more while they're under contract on assets that are you know a hundred plus million dollars in size um, it, it, it's it's a it's it's the perfect combination of institutions having thesis surrounding you know, long term viability of multifamily and NOI growth and populist growth and and it converging with, you know, cheaper debt than we've ever seen. And it's 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 just it's just out of control. Um it's almost it's almost like you can buy something and it's really giving, unfortunately, uh uh those who who understand the operational side of the market right. A lot of heartburn because the prices that are being paid, it's, it's just a greater fool theory at this point. And, uh, and in that, in that if I buy it for four, it may be worth five next year. What do we have to lose? And it's, it's, uh, I think it's almost a danger. We're almost getting to the point where it's like a dangerous game of hot potato because the operations and the, and the actual, like the, the fundamentals of it and, and the uh, you know multifamily has has traditional tax risk um, that certainly uh, uh, net lease assets don't have. Um, uh, in in some respect, it, it it's just it's not being accounted for, and it's and it's almost it's it's almost dangerous. But the yields are as low as ever.
0: Well, I think that that really begs the question. We know that a big part of what happened in the Great Recession 2008, 2009, 2010 was really the over-leveraging of a lot of commercial real estate and other asset classes, not just commercial real estate, and really a step away from the fundamentals. I think the fundamentals of multifamily actually have been, as we referenced earlier, way more resilient than anyone would have anticipated. And when we really talk about single family residential, I'm going to cough, excuse me here. we really – I think one of the most interesting things is the increasing rental of that market, KKR, Goldman Sachs. A lot of people are putting major money into single-family funds right now. Billions of dollars. So it really begs the question, going back to your question about the fundamentals, when a lot of these mortgages come due 10 years out realistically is going to be the first wave – are we setting ourselves up for an over leverage overvaluation scenario or do you think the fundamentals are strong enough to keep up with the debt that's being originated today?
1: I think today right now because of the immense housing uh, housing shortage, I think that rents will be able right as long as you have enough equity in these assets I think that the you know the the de, you know the depleted housing you know available housing will allow NOIs to out chase the the debt coming due because that's essentially the the, least, the game in question we're up, asking yeah. yeah it will keep up it's it's I think the purchases that are made maybe even starting I don't know I don't know if it's twelve months from now eighteen months from now um, I think that's, uh especially if things like the ten year and just overall debt becomes a little bit more expensive um, I think that that's when the quote unquote squeeze may may start. And, and I don't mean the squeeze starting in eighteen months, but the squeeze of when those notes come due, uh, you know, in five, seven, ten years. Um, that's that's and and that's just a product of NOI is not growing fast enough and uh, debt equ-
0: getting more expensive, And
1: debt getting more expensive, and people being forced to come up with equity to keep their deals,
0: or it just takes down market transactional velocity. To account for it. And, and then you got to see sellers adjust pricing a little bit. But a lot of those sellers sure. may have already transacted. Sure. Um, want to cover two additional areas because I know they're important and we want to make sure we're talking about them. 1031. Uh, obviously, we've known for some time now that there's this proposal as part of the big infrastructure package that's been pushed by the Biden in, uh, administration to take away 1031 and use that as a way to fund um, part of the infrastructure package, a pretty small part relative speaking. When you look at the projected tax revenue that would be driven by 1031, we've talked a lot about, is that real tax revenue or not? But an interesting evolution. I mean, we've seen this really get strung out. A month ago, um, the bipartisan group of 10 senators came out and said, we support, I think it was a $1.9 trillion. I could be getting that wrong package. And 1031 was still a part of that. Just in the last week here, we've, we've seen the uh, minority leader, Mitch McConnell, come out and say, Say tax uh, funding, $40 billion of funding for the IRS is not going to be allowed to beef that up to be a revenue generator for the infrastructure bill. And that's really thrown into question the infrastructure bill and whether or not this is going to be able to get passed in the fall session. It's thrown into question what the funding mechanisms are. So we're still, the point of all that is we're still in this limbo of not knowing really where the infrastructure package is. And as a subset of that, where 1031 is. What's your handicap right now? For me it feels like a 50-50 around the viability of keeping 1031. How do you handicap it right now, Isaiah?
1: I think it's uh, I think it's lower than 50-50.
0: Of keeping it or not, I want to make sure we that. Of it going away. Going Excuse away. me.
1: Yeah. I I uh, I'm a believer that the 1031 isn't going away. Um, or at least uh, <clears throat> at least isn't uh, isn't isn't completely going away um and uh and I think that uh I think that cap gains likely will rise higher than maybe where I thought they would um i mean i don't know I think during reagan's time wasn't it, it was like twenty eight percent um and everybody was copacetic, and everybody was happy
0: copacetic is my favorite adjective that you use, so thank you for throwing that in. No problem. Uh, but well, no, I think part of the Biden administration proposal – and I'm going to get this slightly wrong – is to take corporate tax rate from 21 to 27. Before the Trump tax cut, I think it was 35 percent. That's a big mechanism. Right. Um, the proposals really aren't – And where do they want cap gains to go? I can't remember. i, I was, I was embarrassed. Mean, I, I should think know dem- that.
1: Well, I think Democrats wanted it. You know, de- Democrats are pushing for like 43 percent. But, but – uh,
0: that's, and that's not going to happen. And I that's think, not going to happen. You know, what we're really seeing the Biden administration proposes is not a return to Reagan-level taxes whatsoever, but really just kind of ratcheting back some of the increases of, of the Trump tax cut more than anything. Sure. And obviously, 1031 just gets pulled along because 1031 for most Americans and most of the business community is, is an afterthought. It's just not that important for us. Right. And for the real estate market, it's wildly important. We broke down some of the dynamics there. But it's still in flux. Um, I think you and I are very much of a mindset that it's it's easy to look at 1031 going away and say this is such a disastrous move for the real estate market, the net lease market. But I think as you really break it down, and particularly this year when 1031 has not been nearly as much of the driving force, it's still a force, but not nearly as much of the driving force. And we see a lot of the institutions and REITs, not 50 basis points above the private investors, but Ten to fifteen. I actually, I don't want this to happen because our living is based on selling uh, net lease real estate. But I don't think it would be nearly as disastrous as people might believe it to be.
1: No, certainly the cost of capital of uh, of of all of these companies, right? As as long as it remains at quote unquote zero, right? We're, we're that's we're, saving saving yeah, the saving grace. The saving grace is that is that. But but I think those. But but I don't think we're going to live in a world where those two things. Uh, continue to exist so
0: i think you are right um the cheap yields have really taken a lot of the pressure out of the system and they will go up at some point invariably i don't think we're going to have a decade of japanese level sub you know sub zero percent effective r- rates um so th- but that's helping in the short run sure so i think that's another great segue fourth use of segue in the session we got to find uh, the source we can use something besides segue transition maybe your predictions, so the balance of twenty twenty one. And this is hard for me. We have we've had this conversation with clients over the past couple of weeks. It's not easy for me to talk about and think about how a lot of this is gonna play out. And maybe a lot of that is because there's so many crosswinds. Um, but how do you see the balance of twenty twenty one playing out? Is it more of the same? Do you see some disruptions on the on the horizon?
1: I think it's more of the same through call it September, October. And as I say, as like as, as the weather's still warm. Um I think that uh we're even starting to kind of see it in the housing market where um unless you're really in one of these cities that's growing by you know 3 400 people a day right unless you're in a city like that like a you know, like a Nashville like an Austin um like some of these communities in Arizona or some of these communities in South Carolina um, unless you're really in something like that, I mean, what we're seeing in the housing market right now is that is that we we've kind of peaked. A
0: lot of the pressure is coming being let out of that yeah. that balloon.
1: Yeah, we've kind of peaked, and uh, and I mean, there's still a lot of chasing, and there's still a lot of you know craziness going on. I'm not trying to say there isn't, but I think that there's just a little less of it. And so when you start to see a little less of it, I tend to believe that you know maybe it's not. Maybe it's not uh, the start of football season, but maybe it's midway through football season where we see uh, interest rates rise a little bit and we start to see things slow down just a touch.
0: I think the X factor right now we can't disregard. It's the Delta variant. We've seen cases rise 150 percent. You've got some really intense outbreaks in Missouri, Arkansas, Florida. That that's the X factor for me. I think if you know we remain thirty percent unvaccinated as a country, and I'm not taking a position there one way or the other. Um, well, actually, I will get vaccinated. Um, uh, that's it's going to be really interesting to see if those cases keep going up. If we see mask mandates return, as we have in LA, could that be a real impact factor? I, I kind of believe people are going to keep living at this point. I think there's so much fatigue that people are going to say, "If you didn't get vaccinated." you didn't get vaccinated i hope that there isn't that degree of of disregard but that's for me a big factor i'm watching right now on a daily basis
1: yeah and i think unless it's uh unless it's 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 a it's a city or state mandated uh thing where they fine you or the or, or retailers won't let you in the door without a mask i think people are honestly i think people are done with them I don't care what, uh, you know, I don't care what mayors or city officials say. I think there's a lot of vaccinated people who, uh, you know, right or wrong, I'm not here to you know, tell you how to live your life, but I think there's a lot of people who simply just won't listen.
0: Yeah. So in spite of the fact that we're seeing more and more of these breakthrough infections as well, people who right. have been fully vaccinated and are either getting asymptomatic uh, uh, Delta variant or mild symptomatic so but i think you're right i don't mean to
1: go to pop culture but if you look at someone like kat sadler or jay williams who are who who have covid uh i mean they publicly have shared they have covid kat Sadler's like you know she she's gonna be just fine or she may be by now just fine but she was she looked like she was on her deathbed and she was she's she was was fully vaccinated yeah so this delta variant is it's nothing
0: nothing to mess with no No. joke at all so that's a big thing icse's rebrand hot take on that did you see it Rebrand? They announced their rebrand literally four days ago, I think. They're no longer International Council of Shopping Centers. I'm going to slaughter this. Apologies to anyone at ICSC who may listen to this. I believe it's International Commerce. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to really skew this.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm unaware of this.
0: See, As a a card-carrying ICSC member. Let's look it up. We're going to find it. ICSC is now officially type today because i gotta get your reaction to this year you're yeah, you're, you're like donnie george you're marketing
1: yeah i'm like i'm like on the edge of my seat right now
0: bold redefinition oh that oh. looks not working huh. innovating commerce serving communities the long pause is isaiah reacting oh no yeah, No, he's not feeling it I'm not. No. I don't know. You know, in some ways, I hate the title. I really do. But in other ways, let's be honest, we have seen that, right? ICSC, you go to any conference over the last couple of years, it really has been more than just retail. It's been mixed-use centers. There's some truth to this, but I think they could have done better with the acronym.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would have liked to have been in that whiteboarding session. I would have had the thesaurus out. I'm like, no, I think I yeah, think we can Abe, find a better eye.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, my good friend Abe, right, who, you know, who's- uh, Is this Abe? How, yeah. How old is he? 78? Now? yes or is he 79
0: he could be either
1: yeah you know him you know he, he's look i'm looking for some tenants in my shopping centers here you know he's not he's not uh he's not he's, i don't know if he's Abe not, is, new, gen. Is, is he's not ICA, new gen i not what i'm saying he's not walking yeah, he's, he's not. like i used to walk around the show with my with my you know with the with the with the lanyard so everybody knew my name and i had that thing in the front of me and you know it was great but you know that you know i'm just looking for some tenants Looking for some tenants.
0: Try and find some. Money. You got any tenants, Isaiah? See, so, yeah, 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 I do I'm a horrible Abe accent. You tenants.
1: do. <laughs> but Abe, and then Abe goes. You know, he goes back to Syosset. and he. Uh, he's he's
0: Abe's also the one who has like the tag on his ICSC lanyard that says "50 years in attendance" because right. he's becoming he's been coming for 50 years. Right, and but he
1: right, but 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 Abe uh, Abe isn't unfortunately necessarily you know a fair representation of. Uh, of of who's walking around the show anymore. So I or who's
0: better, more importantly who's paying for the show and right. the people paying for the show are the big dollar you know Simons and pick your other retailers who are who are throwing down the big money for the hundred thousand dollar booth in Vegas or New York or whatever other conference. Yeah,
1: I mean I think it's even come you know it's come to financial firms and it's come to it's even come to our space the net lease business. There's a number of uh, big boosts the big booths put on by NetLease That's right, professionals.
0: Well, I think that's it for our 2021 mid-year check-in on how NetLease is going. Um, Save this episode so in six months when everything has gone in the other direction from what we've guessed, you can openly mock us and send us hate mail. Uh, We'll be looking forward to that. But until our next episode, keep on making deals.